Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Mark, and welcome to uh, welcome to everyone here today. Welcome to our online people. We're excited for what God is going to do today, and today we're going to talk about what it means to have a salvation moment where you encounter Christ and you invite Christ into your heart. And because of that salvation moment, two baptisms take place after that. The first one is baptism in water. And it's not in this order. It can happen in many different orders. Baptism in water. And that is where I, because of an inward change, show people an outward expression of what Jesus did in my heart. Water baptism, which is what Esther just referred to. And then the Bible describes what's called baptism of the Holy Spirit, where people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to look at what those different baptisms mean, how they affect my walk with God and how I connect with God, how I am able to fulfill the purpose that God has for my life. And I don't know if you know this, but God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I know those words are shared very often in church settings and in churches all across America. But I do want you to know that when God digs down into the detail, that means that there are specific things that God has for you. And I would go even further to say that where you work, the friends that you have, the community in which you live is not an accident. There is treasure and things that God wants you to do. And so as we dig into this, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the sneakiness of the night so no one could see and becomes, as what I can understand, a, a posture of humility. And he says to Jesus, he says, you know what? I can see that God is with you because of the miraculous signs and wonders that you are performing. This is what Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a teacher of religious law, someone who does not accept Christ, but can see from the life that he lives and the miraculous signs and wonders that are coming from his life, this is changing this man's life. And so he comes and he asks that question and he says, what is it? Basically, what's your secret, Jesus? How are you doing the supernatural things that you are doing because it defies logic, it goes against the science and it doesn't make sense? How are you doing this? And so it's interesting in John 3, 3, 4 says Jesus' response to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? It's very fascinating. What a, what a wonderful logical response to what Jesus said. I probably would have said that, and most of us probably would have said that, not understanding the concept of salvation. Born again, what does that mean? Jesus again responds in verse 6 and says something very profound. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Your spirit has a birthday. Amen? There is a moment where you invite Christ into your heart. Your spirit comes alive. Your spirit comes to life when you invite Christ into your heart. And what we call that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. 
So wherever you go now, now that you have Jesus in your heart, you've invited him into heart. And by the way, you mean it. This is not a cultural religious conformity decision. This is not because you want to behave to belong. This is because you genuinely believe Jesus died and defeated death and rose again for the salvation of my soul so that I could be right reconciled back to my heavenly father. You genuinely believe that from your heart. We at this church would never want to force someone to fake it and it to not be real. This has to be a genuine encounter between you and Jesus. And so when you invite Christ in, that transformation takes place. Your spirit has a birthday. And we call that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Not to be confused with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's very different. I've invited Christ into my heart, indwelling. That means, yes, when you leave here, if you've invited Christ into your heart, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's there. In fact, um, you can go a little bit deeper on this. Uh, the Bible says that a man shall leave his family and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's intimate. That's very intimate. Ellie and I have, as they say, two results of passion. And <laughs> to become one flesh, it's a very, that's a very intimate relationship. But I believe there's a level of intimacy deeper than that. It's when we invite Christ into our heart, our spirit becomes one with him. Man, that is intimate. So forget the flesh level. This is at a spirit level. You have a spirit. Mark my words, you have a spirit. In fact, there are spiritual challenges that we face that are solved by spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to do. Some people run around with scratching their heads trying to think, why can I not get out of this rut? I'm stuck because it requires a spiritual gift to break that chain, to see that bondage lifted off someone's life. I love talents, but when spiritual gifts do their thing, you see spiritual breakthrough in someone's life. The only level of intimacy deeper than two Becoming one flesh that I know of is two becoming one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17, so you know it's scriptural. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Our spirit is one with Christ. Which means now, you don't look within yourself for the capacity, the ability to be able to go forward in your relationship with God. You now have the grace and freedom to look to what he overcame so that you can go forward. It's because of what he broke through, not because of you and your ability and your strength and your talents and your gifts and your abilities so that you can get the credit. No, it is about him and what he does and how he overcame and overcomes in our life. When you invite Christ into your heart, I love that the power of salvation is activated. Thank God that in that salvation moment, I am justified. All my sins are forgiven. I am now free from the bondage of works. I'm free from trying to do this thing myself. This is salvation. Thank God for justification. The second part of salvation where the process of becoming Christ-like unfolds. It's a doorway and a journey and a beginning to a life of becoming like Christ. 
Because I'm not made, I'm not completely perfect in that moment. I still have stuff. I still do things. I still make mistakes. I still need forgiveness. I still need repentance in my life because of what I do. But thank God for justification. That there is a grace that empowers me, that God helps me so that I can become more Christ-like. And I'll tell you, the more Christ-like you are, the best husband you can be, the best wife you can be is like Christ. The more Christ-like you are, I can guarantee you this. I'm not saying you won't experience persecution and you won't experience challenges, but the best we can be is to be like him. Thank God for justification. Thank God for sanctification and thank God for glorification. One day we will be transformed and be reunited and united to our heavenly father and we'll be in his presence. Thank God for the power of salvation. Salvation is me inviting Jesus into my heart. My spirit becomes one with him and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit takes place. He is indwelling in you if you've invited him into your heart. That's really exciting, yeah? The Holy Spirit's in you. He's dwelling in you. Woo, dwelling. But not only does your spirit have a birthday, your spirit also has gifts. Your body has talents, but your spirit has gifts, spiritual gifts. And talents are awesome, but spiritual gifts can do things that talents can't. There's a separation. And those Spiritual gifts are activated by inviting the Holy Spirit, being spirit-filled, which is different than inviting Christ into my heart. And I want to show this in Acts chapter 8. Let's paint the scene a little bit here as Philip is in Samaria. He's preaching about Jesus and all this crazy stuff's happening. He's casting out demons. He's healing paralyzed people. He's healing the sick. All this crazy stuff's happening. I just want to say this. Some people, oh, that's pretty out there. Well, if you're a Christian, you believe a man died and rose again. <laughs> so you're out there just as much as I am. Amen. I'm not the crazy one up here talking about demons and angels and healings. You are just as crazy as me. So that's our foundation that we start from right now. And this is what happened. And there's obviously Simon the sorcerer in uh, the prequel to this chapter that I'm about to read here. And what's happening is uh, Simon is uh, looked to as the man and he's performing all of these uh, uh, healings and all this stuff, whatever he's doing. And in comes, in comes Philip, the real deal. Acts chapter 8, 14. Now I want you to understand something is that they are talking to here Christians. They are talking to people who have received Christ. They're saved. They believe. And it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Hold up. Hold on a minute. They're already saved. They've already accepted Christ as their Lord. The, isn't the Holy Spirit already in them? Isn't the indwelling already there? The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. This is different than you accepting Christ into your heart. And mark my words, you did receive the Holy Spirit, the indwelling. 
But what we see here in Acts chapter 8 is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's different than your salvation moment. And I can tell you this, if you've had this experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you know it. There ain't no second guessing this. You know, for a matter of fact, you encountered the Holy Spirit. He revealed himself. It's almost as if your spiritual gifts came alive. It's almost as if the way you see things and understand things changes. It's the spiritual gifts being activated in your life on another level. This is, by the way, exactly what Jesus did to the disciples. He has returned in his resurrected body. And he's having a conversation with them in his resurrected body. And this is what he, what he does in John 20, 22. It says, then he breathed on them. They're Christians, by the way. They accept. They've watched Jesus do that. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit from the horse's mouth. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive. But haven't they already got? Yeah, in, in dwelling has taken place. But this is the infilling. This is what Jesus was talking about in Acts chapter 1 when he said, stay here, stay put in Judea. Stay and wait because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. Sound of a rushing wind. And they are infilled with the Holy Spirit. They have this supernatural encounter. And that is what activates their spiritual gifts so that they can go and solve spiritual problems that are out there. Acts 11 Sorry, there are two baptisms that take place in your life after you receive Christ into your heart. Baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 11.15 says, As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, you see there's a difference here that the scripture is, is very intentionally showing us a difference between what it means to be baptized in water, our salvation moment, which is what's taking place with Nicodemus. But here we see the apostles going out to do what Jesus had commissioned them to do and commissions us to do, to go out into all the world and preach the good news. Now, I want to say something at Exchange Community Church. We love talents. We love talents. The talent to play a guitar, the talent to sing, the talent to uh, mow a lawn. <laughs> Couldn't think of a talent. We love intellectual people that have an intellectual talent to be able to understand. Have you ever heard an intellectual person pray over someone? Just how nice it sounds and smooth and wonderful and great. We love talents. At Exchange Church, we love talents. We're talent lovers. In fact, we should probably get a shirt printed up. Exchange Community Church, talent lovers. We are, we are very passionate about developing talents, about developing your talents, seeing your talents achieve great things and do great things for God. We love it. But at the end of the day, we love talents, but spiritual gifts can take you to a place that talents can't. Spiritual gifts can do things that our talents can't. And we tend to get caught up in relying on our talents to solve a lot 
of the spiritual problems that people have in our area. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. Doesn't much, maybe it doesn't matter how much counseling, I'm not against that stuff, but it doesn't matter how much medication you can put someone on. If they've got a spiritual problem, it needs spiritual gifts to see that person break through. And you have a spirit and your spirit has gifts. And when you invited Christ into your heart, it was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's there. But when you are filled with the spirit, the gifts are activated. And now you're not just a normal person. You're not just a normal person when you walk into your room in your office and the boardroom. You have a supernatural edge that God has empowered and equipped you. You don't think like the world thinks. In fact, the Bible says that you're an alien just passing through this world. You have that supernatural. We love talents, but spiritual gifts have an ability to break the yoke of bondage. Listen to this scripture. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Great scripture from last weekend. You missed that message, watch it online. It's awesome. But listen to this. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I want to say, to contextualize the season that we've been in, talking about God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life, I want to say this, is that there are natural things that God is going to ask you to do with the talents that God has provided you. There will be simple needs that can be met. If someone's hungry, give them a sandwich, preferably a Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> give them a sandwich. You'll change their life, I promise. There are natural things that we can do to serve our community, to serve the unfortunate. There are natural things that we can do to speak into a marriage. But there are also supernatural things, good works, that God is going to ask us to do that we don't have enough time, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough resource, we don't have enough talent, we don't have enough gifting, we don't have enough network, we don't have enough of what it requires for the things that God has pre-planned for us to do because it requires spiritual gifts to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. There are impossible good works planned by God long ago that will require supernatural spiritual gifts for you to be able to complete them. What am I saying is this? is that if we're talking about God's purpose for your life, there's a part of it that you will fulfill through your natural talent. Amen? There will be needs that you will be able to provide for because of the income that you earn and, and the people that God brings across your path. You'll be able to do that through your natural intellect, your natural talents and gifts of the career and the work that you do. But then there are spiritual things. There are spiritual things. I'll tell you, some of you have heard this story before. But I love seeing the supernatural gifts working. And I was in India uh, with, with the team. And, and I remember standing at the back of the room and God highlighted, uh, uh, I think about a 16, 17-year-old girl that was part of the other missionary team and just kept on saying, saying to me, the enemy's trying to steal her joy. Just kept on saying it over and over, the enemy's trying to steal her joy. I'm thinking, I'm going crazy right here. <laughs> I'm going crazy again. <laughs> Well, I'm continuing to be crazy. 
Enemy's trying to steal her joy. The enemy's trying to steal her joy, steal her joy, steal her joy. Just kept on saying, saying, joy, gone, steal her joy. And I got up and I was supposed to speak to the Indian Bible College students and just, I couldn't, couldn't shake this thing. So I just looked at this girl and I just said, hey, this may be a little weird, but the, the, God just keeps saying to me, the enemy's trying to steal your joy. And I just remember in that moment, she just burst into tears just broke down and burst into tears. And I thought, ooh, <laughs> what's going on? What's happening here? And as soon as those words come out of my mouth, more words came out, more words came out, and, and it just, all this thing unfolded. You know what, I didn't say anything. I didn't even talk to her after the thing. I went back and the next morning having breakfast with uh, Russ and Sue. And I remember Russ said to me, he goes, do you know what? Do you know what happened? Do you know what the meaning of that was, joy? I said, no, I have, I have no idea. Um, and he said, um, her mum passed away and her name's Joy. And, and the enemy has been attacking this girl over and over and over again. How, I love hearing intellectual people with great talents pray, but I love it when a pirate from Australia, <laughs> God uses a pirate, an unsuspecting person like me, puts a simple word like that in my heart and you can pray the most intellectual prayer, but, if, but when someone has, hears from God and speaks into the person's soul, that person is changed forever. And it doesn't draw them closer to me, it draws them closer to God, amen? I love the fact that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to minister supernaturally into people's lives to see true healthy change. That's the prayers that I wanna pray. Yes, God, make me smarter, but God, I don't wanna miss hearing your voice. There are impossible good works that God has for you planned long ago that will require supernatural spiritual gifts for you to be able to accomplish them. The Great Commission, to, just to see that, you just have to read Mark 16 and, and verse 7. It says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. Now, I don't know about you, but I, know, I haven't heard of no course at DVC or Berkeley that is teaching demon casting and speaking in other languages in a moment. This is the power of the Holy Spirit coming into a believer's life. And, and I believe that we are going to go beyond ourselves to what God can do. Now, I understand that some of us have actually been taught. Um, some of us don't even know what I'm talking about right now, which is totally fine. Some of us are curious and want to know more. But some of us have been taught stuff that the spiritual gifts ended with the apostles. Anybody heard this? It's called a cessationalist. We are a continualist. We believe that the gifts continued. But a cessationalist believes that it ceased with the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. And so what I'm going to do right now, just to put this to rest, is read a list of who the 12 disciples are, who they were. And I want you to listen in particular to these words, uh, to these names, and I want you to look for the name Ananias. It says in Mark 3, 16, it says, these are the 12 he chose, Simon, James and John, this, who Jesus nicknames sons of thunder from down under, uh, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas. I didn't hear Ananias there, not once. And so what happened is now Saul, who is Paul, 
who pretty much wrote most of the New Testament. He's on his, road, on his way to Damascus, and he has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus says to him, why do you persecute me? And he is struck blind for three days. And so he's struck blind. Why this is happening, God is speaking to Ananias, who is not one of the 12 disciples, who is not an apostle. And he says to him in Acts uh, 9:12, it says, I have, and, and this is God speak, this is Jesus speaking to Ananias about Saul. And he says, I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias, meaning you, coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. And then in Acts 9:17, it says, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not one of the 12 disciples. If the, if the gifts of the Spirit stopped with the 12 disciples of the names that we just read, how on earth is Ananias? What business does he have baptizing this guy in the Holy Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit? That doesn't make any sense. I read some, uh, uh, someone's quote online that, that said, well, this is really just the water baptism. And I've said, laying on his hands to receive the Holy Spirit. Come on, man, that's a stretch. Come on, man. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way on the planet. I think what an incredible message uh, Toscani preached last week on, on hope deferred makes the heart sick. Right? That touched some heartstrings. And, and, I, and I thought a lot about that this week. I thought a lot about the fact that I realized that there are some people who have come to the end of their talent. In your talent, you have tried to see breakthrough for something. And no matter how much talent you throw at it, no matter how much you develop your talent, you can't see that thing shift and you're going crazy. Some of you are pulling your hair out thinking, when is this thing ever going to change? How am I going to see God do a miraculous thing in this area? Because every time I build up the faith, every time I stir my heart, every time I say, that's it, I'm doing a fast, that's it, I'm going to be more generous than I've ever been, that's it, I'm going to try this strategy, I'm going to listen to this speaker, I'm only listening to worship music from now on, and it doesn't change. And you've come to the end of your talent. Well, I'm excited because I believe that I get to give you the good news is that it's not where talent ends, the Holy Spirit takes over and, and the gifts take over. It's that he can take over. There is hope for you yet. You don't have to give up hope because the Holy Spirit can fill you and you can see your spiritual gifts come alive so that you can begin to minister at a completely new level. How good news is this? You're not stuck. You're not trapped. The enemy, even though he continues to attack you in your mind, take it to confession and start speaking out the truth of his word and see that stuff shift and change in your life. I honestly do believe that the enemy is attacking a lot of people's minds gets in here and he, and he doesn't say, you are a bad person. He says, he puts in your head, I am a bad person. So you are confessing, I am a loser. I will never break free. I will never see the change. 
But you know what? We take it to confession. We thank God for spiritual gifts because it equips us. It empowers us to see the enemy's stronghold broken so that we can break free. This is hope and good news. I love spiritual gifts. I love the impact that spiritual gifts can have not just in my life, but I love the fact that I can have a supernatural impact in someone else's life as God uses me. Uh, we look from these texts, you'll see on the screen, Romans 12, 6, and 8, uh, 6 to 8, 1 Corinthians, you, you'll see it there. Uh, here are the gifts, prophecy, service, not in any order, teaching. I want you, as I read these, I want you to ask yourself, yeah, I feel a connection. One may jump out and you say, I feel a connection. It might be a photo moment too. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, contributing or giving, leadership, mercy, word of knowledge. I love word of knowledge. That's what I described before. The enemy is trying to steal your joy. A word of wisdom. How good is a word of wisdom? It's different than experience. You know, I've had some older people whose life is pretty messed up. You need to listen to me because I've been there. I'm wise. I know you just experienced life. You haven't gained wisdom from life. Not to dishonor the person, but to say wisdom is a spirit and it comes from God and God gives it to us. Faith. I love that some people have the gift of faith, the faith to believe, to overcome. I believe there's people in this church who have the faith for us to have our own building one day. They have the faith to pray bold prayers that God is going to do something supernatural. Uh, miracles, uh, gifts of healing, distinguishing or discernment uh, of spirits, tongues, uh, interpretation of tongues, apostleship, uh, helping, administration, evangelism, pastoring, shepherding, pastoral and teaching. And I have, this is awesome, is you have one of those spiritual gifts at least. You at least have one of those spiritual gifts. How do you activate that, that gift? Through receiving the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how that comes alive. This is nothing to do with your salvation. It's nothing to do with the fact that you experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and your, Christ, your soul become one with Christ. This is the infilling of the Holy Spirit where we see the apostles laying hands on believers to receive the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus in John 20, 21. He breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit and then he commissioned them. So he didn't just call them he com and commissioned them. He empowered them and equipped them so they can go and do it. Uh, great news. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So you've got one. 1 Peter 4, 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You've got them. You don't have to question whether you have them. Maybe your journey is to discover what God's put there, but you got it. It's there. You have spiritual gifts from God. Romans 12, 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And again, and in case somebody wants to play it safe and think to themselves that this is not for me, um, this is a little bit weird. Uh, this is, you know, I, I think Holy Spirit's normal, but I think the, the definition of normal belongs to God, not culture. 
What God does may be very abnormal to the world, but he owns the definition of normal. And just in, in, just in case you want to play it safe, this, this scripture is just for you. I pulled it out of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. This is scripture instructing us to desire spiritual gifts so that we can. Now, you may even say, this is not my style or my, my personality or my f- expression of Christianity. Spiritual gifts have nothing to do with your personality. They have nothing to do with your personality. It is not my personality to stand on a stage. I'd rather sit by myself <laughs> and watch the crowd do its thing. That is my personality. But I know that God has put spiritual gifts in me to do what he's called me to do. Spiritual gifts have nothing in common with your personality. You can't look at someone and go, oh, because of their personality, I think they're an evangelist. I can look at this person and think they're a prophet. No, it has nothing to do with their personality because that would indicate that it's rooted in you. But they're not. They're rooted in Christ. Spiritual gifts come from him. Spiritual gifts are from him because spiritual gifts are rooted in Christ. Uh, Spiritual gifts do not come from you. They are gifted to you from God. Now, let me say this again. 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Spiritual gifts are incredible. But I receive Christ. He's in my heart. Wonderful. And the infilling dwelling, indwelling of the Holy Spirit took place. And I tell you, I'm a oh, changed man. I remember that day. I remember the day that I gave my heart to Christ. I was 12 years old. And I thought getting water baptized meant giving a heart to Christ, but it doesn't matter. God gave me a, <laughs> he let that one slip past the wicket keeper. But I invited Christ into my heart. And then the next week I got water baptized. I was 12 years old. I remember that day. It was Easter Sunday. That, that changed my life. But I will never forget when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was about 16 years old and a pastor prayed over me. And by, oh, by, I went from good Christian to super Christian. (laughs) I was a changed man. I was all about Jesus. I wanted to change the world. And I tell you, it wasn't a strength coming from me. You you can't explain it. You can't describe it. The Holy Spirit comes in you and you come alive. And there's this life and hope. And it doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you crazy. But remember, weird is defined by God, not by the world and not by culture. You become obedient. You want to serve God. You're free to serve God. And, and I will never forget that moment. And as a church, I would say, and I love, I think we live in an area right now that needs spirit-filled Christians with activated spiritual gifts that can break some of the stuff and the, and the mess that is on people's lives. The intellect has hijacked people so much that they've fallen victim to a God of science and we're not anti-science and we're not anti-intellect. It's the heart and spirit behind it. We're not supposed to become and conform to the patterns of this world. We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we think kingdom. We think kingdom, not just what's happening here and now. There are many ways you can invest financially into the Vision at Exchange Community Church. 
you can give on our website, exchangecc.com. Or you can give via Venmo. Look for at Exchange. You can also text any dollar amount to 84321 and follow the prompts. If you would like to send a check, the address can be found on the graphic. But the most helpful way to give is by setting up reoccurring giving on the Church Center app or online at exchangecc.com. This helps us a better plan for future outreaches and ministry needs. Thank you so much for giving and investing into the life of Exchange Community Church. Mm-hmm.